What's up, guys? I'm Tyler, and welcome to the Call the Audible podcast. Week 17 just wrapped up. Today is the 5th of January, and got a lot for you today. Um, no games in a phrase this week, at least not on the podcast. Probably will be posted on Call the Audible and Ride the Wave. Um, got my top 10. Not going to go over 10 names each position, but kind of an end of season special. Uh, if you want the full list, you can head over to Call the Audible or Ride the Wave Media on Instagram and see that. But I did an end of season special top 10 rather than top 5. So I'll go over my regular top 5. Maybe talk a little bit about um, some of the guys, you know, 6 through 10. Um, but it'll be Tyler's top 5 as usual. Then we'll talk about the playoffs. We'll talk about Tua Tagovailoa. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. and Baker Mayfield and Cleveland being in the playoffs. Uh, we'll talk about the head coaches in and out, and we will wrap it up. So, and then we'll also, yeah, we'll go over my playoff picture um, all the way down to the Super Bowl matchup, which then you guys can decide um, and tell me, DM me on Instagram, comment on my post, whatever, uh, how you think the playoffs are going to turn out. So with that being said, here we go. Welcome to the Call of the Audible podcast, starting with Tyler's top five slash ten. Um, so at quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, number one, my MVP, 48 touchdowns, five interceptions. Um, I got the stat wrong last week. One of one of four quarterback individual seasons where the quarterback passed for more than 40 touchdowns or more than 45 touchdowns potentially and less than seven interceptions, and it was all Aaron Rodgers seasons, and this season is no different. Probably the best of his career, 48 touchdowns, five interceptions. Got the um, – through injury through to teammates um, – Aaron Jones was a little bit banged up towards the end of the year. Devonta Adams missed time without um, all the great weapons. Um, I mean, he made Robert Tanyan a very good, especially red zone target. Devonta Adams missing time. He made Alan Lazard look really good. Marquez Valdez Scantling look really good. Um, kind of went through it all. Went through a dramatic offseason, a weird year, and Aaron Rodgers had one of the best years of his career. Um, so he he's my MVP. He's number one on quarterbacks. Number two. I have Josh Allen, which might come with a couple question marks, but Josh Allen has been phenomenal this year, and he's got the Bills at 13-3. and three. He's got three really good receivers, a great receiver in Stephon Diggs, and then two pretty good ones in Cole Beasley in the slot and John Brown. Now they've signed Kenny Stills, so they're going to have potentially four threats on that team receiving-wise. Um, just average at tight end, um, uh, uh, average to above average on the offensive line, and just about average at running back. Um, but he is such an athlete, completing 69% of his throws, 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 4,500 yards. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal year. And I'll say at the beginning of this year, um, on, on my former YouTube channel, which I still upload every once in a while too, but more of the podcast game now, Pipes Pro Talk, um, I, I talked about Josh Allen and how I expected him to take, how he took a big step from year one, where he kind of struggled as a rookie. He took a big step to year two, and I predict him to take an even even bigger step coming into this year, and it's probably it's probably the take I'm most proud of out of the 2020 season. So Josh Allen, 37 touchdowns, 10 picks, almost 70 percent completion, which is like um, amongst the elite. That's uh, Drew Brees' numbers right there. Uh, the most the most uh, that's Aaron Rodgers' numbers right there as well. Um, that that's that's the uh, that's the target in the NFL. And for Josh Allen, one of his main issues was accuracy. For him to be almost completing 70% of his throws after the last two years of some inaccurate um, some inaccurate seasons, it's, it's great to see. And he's just taken a big step this year and has the Bills at 13-3. And, three. and um, we'll get to it later, but they're going to make a deep playoff run in my opinion. 
Number three, Patrick Mahomes. Still had a great year, but, you know, decision-making, I feel like um, it's kind of like the volcano analogy, kind of dormant, kind of waiting for the big play to happen. If it doesn't, he kind of tries to force it. Um, 38 touchdowns, six interceptions. Had a lot of turnover-worthy plays this year that didn't go down as turnovers. Had a lot of dropped picks, I think the most in NFL history for a single season. So that's a big deal to me, 38 touchdowns, six picks. Still a very good year. Still got the Chiefs as the number one seed at 14-2. and two. Could have been 15-1 and one or even 16-0. and 0. If he would have just played with a little bit more urgency, but regardless, he's still um, an incredible quarterback. Russell Wilson. Sorry, no, not Russell Wilson. Wrong W. Deshaun Watson, I have at number four. 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions, completing 70% of his throws. The league leader in passing yards. I mean, to lose DeAndre Hopkins, to number one, have have a a coach in Bill O'Brien that I think is probably a pretty good offensive play caller, but I feel like the reason he got fired is is his... um, his moves and his decision making as general manager more than more so than a head coach, because um, I think if he w- if they were just worried about him as a head coach and if they never gave him the GM job, I think he'd still be in that role today. But you can't you can't undo what he did as a GM, um, and I think it's ironic that he traded Laramie T- for Laramie Tunzel and now he's having to pay him what twenty two million a year, um, and he's committed a lot of penalties and now he could get a once in a decade tackle in uh, Penny Sewell at the same exact pick that they traded to the Dolphins, who now the Dolphins have an opportunity to get. Um, pretty ironic. You know, trade the trade the probably the best receiver in the game um, last year, um, one of the best in the game this year. Um, and Deshaun Watson has overcome that. I mean, he still had receiving talent this year. Brandon Cooks is still a very good receiver, an underrated receiver, but he's no DeAndre Hopkins. Um, he, he, I think he's a wide receiver two or three uh, and a very good one. But he's definitely not a one, and that's kind of what he was this year. Um, Will Fuller for a lot of the year, kind of just a lot of speedy guys that can run under it. But he was he was so accurate, and he used what he got. And I, and that video, that clip of J.J. Watt apologizing him to wasting one of his years. I mean, Deshaun Watson still had a great year. It's horrible that they. I mean, this is the number one underperformer I think in all of sports. To be honest with you, in 2020, um, to to go from having a lead on the eventual Super Bowl champions that you blew. And then being fourth place or third place in the division the next year and being like a four or five win team, uh, it's, just, it's just horrible. You feel for Deshaun Watson. Um, but, you know, he proved that he can still be elite without without DeAndre Hopkins, without a great, great receiver. And, and that's what you look for in the NFL because you can't always pay. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins making a lot of money in Arizona. If he hasn't got a new contract yet, he will. And it's going to be a lot of money. Um, and so if you can't, afford to pay him if the, if you're in a rough cap situation you need a quarterback that can bail you out like Aaron Rodgers has and now like Deshaun Watson is doing in um in Houston so Deshaun Watson number four for the season number five Russell Wilson um looked like the clear-cut MVP um and then the decision making started to come down um 4,212 yards 40 touchdowns which is still amazing and 13 interceptions but Russell Wilson uh, kind of got off to a really hot start in the first like seven games through like 26 touchdowns and then in the following um, that that number came down quite a bit in the following nine games and the interceptions went up and so he he got off to a hot start which kind of padded his stats and then he was just kind of an average quarterback from then on out which I know 40 touchdowns to 13 picks doesn't look like you can be an average quarterback for uh, the rest of the year but but really, the last nine, ten games, the defense has stepped up, and that's what's really been driving Seattle. 
and the offense has kind of sat down. Can you imagine Seattle if they had the offense they did weeks one through nine and the defense they've had weeks nine through 17? That would be undisputed the best team in football. And if they could hold that for a whole year, I think they'd probably go 16-0 and and win the game and win the whole thing. Um, it, it sucks for me to put them there because Russell Wilson at one point was um, kind of the system guy, and then he kind of became all we had, and now I think Seattle's a pretty talented team. Um, you know, I think he'll bounce back from it and have a great year. He had a great year. I don't want to take away from that. Just not the Russell Wilson type year we had and definitely not the Russell Wilson type finish we're used to seeing. Then the following quarterbacks, Brady, Herbert, Tannehill, Cousins, Jackson. Kirk Cousins, a lot of guys were surprised about on Instagram when I posted this yesterday. Um, you know, he's uh, he's done very well. Kind of Couldn't overcome that rough start. Um, I feel like Kirk Cousins once a year has a patch of rough games. And everyone starts to talk about the future of the quarterback position in Minnesota. And then he just bounces back and has a great rest of the year. And that's kind of the Kirk Cousins story this year. 35 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Um, so I will defend that. You know, he came in to for sixth in touchdown passes. Turned the ball over a little bit more, but still completed 67% of his throws. And just kind of uh, led that talented offense. And I think they're going to be good next year. But defense was the real problem. And then uh, running back, Henry, 2,000 yards. Moment of silence, I mean, round of applause, whatever it is. Not not, not moment of silence. It's not sad. It's, it's amazing. Um, Derrick Henry, 2,000 yards. And, and to finish it how he did, Derrick Henry is a guy that's going to run for 200 on you or you're going to run for 83. Like, there's, there's really no in-between. If he's either going to dominate you or you're going to kind of slow him down, which is interesting. Um but, you know, he had to get, like, 250-plus to to get 2,000, and he did against Houston. Um, so 378 attempts, which is just mind-boggling. Um, most in the NFL, uh, by far, by almost 60, which is a good two or three games for any other running back. Um, 2,000 yards, 17 touchdowns, 16 runs of 20-plus, four runs of 40-plus, ran for a 94-yard run, ran for a... Uh, 98 first downs it looks like um and so yeah just just an amazing amazing player um the staple of that offense Tannehill also a top quarterback they're they're doing things over there in Tennessee um if only they could get the defense right Kamara you know a threat running the running the ball had a lot of rushing touchdowns um came in second in the league with 16 obviously definitely that big game against Minnesota helped where he had six but Kamara a more of a threat Funnily enough, with how good he is on the ground, more of a threat catching the ball. Just a great season from him. Dalvin Cook, another great year on my fantasy team. 312 attempts, 1,500 yards, 16 touchdowns, catching the ball, doing it all. Uh, missing some time with a groin injury and still putting up great stats. Um, so looking forward to Cook next year um, as the Vikings are out of the playoffs. Chubb, Robinson, Taylor, uh, you know, just kind of guys that, um, you know, Chubb does have some breakaway speed. These are guys that just show up every week and kind of give you the same product. They're all, they're just consistent. Um, you know, Derrick Henry, a little inconsistent. You know, still always going to give you 80 or 90 a game, but sometimes it'll be 260, kind of like the Devontae Adams thing. Um, explosive, nuclear, and then um, just kind of stagnant some games. Um, but both very good players, obviously. But, you know, these guys are just so consistent. Jacobs, um, Jones, Montgomery, and Drake rounding it out. Wide receiver Diggs, I'm going to keep defending him as my best receiver in the game. He has been so good this year, 127 catches, 1,535 yards, and only eight touchdowns, which, um, you know, a touchdown every two games, you'd ask for a little bit more, especially when a lot of those touchdowns 
came in clumps in certain games, so maybe hopefully a little bit more goal line work. But, you know, Josh Allen can run it. He's got a couple big tight ends that he loves to throw touchdowns to. Um, so, so I'll defend the touchdowns there. Uh, but, you know, le- leading the league in receptions and yards is uh, amazing for Stephon Diggs. Uh, probably the fir- the best, one of the best first-year um, acquisitions in NFL history. Definitely at the position. Um, but to show up and show out like he did in his first year on a new team um, is amazing. Devontae Adams, number two. Probably, if you had to say, I need you to show up for one game and I need you to have a big performance, I think Devontae Adams would be the guy. Three, four touchdown games uh, was on my fantasy team as well. Um, just amazing. 115 catches, 1,374 yards, and 18 touchdowns. All that after missing time. So third in catches. Um, fifth or sixth in yards. First in touchdown catches. Uh, an, an amazing year. And he probably would be my number one if he would have just played those two or three games that he missed. Um, which we can look at hypotheticals. We don't know for sure if they would have been more nuclear games or if they would have been just more eight for 50 yards or whatever, eight catches for 50 yards. But regardless, Devontae Adams had a great year. Then we got uh, Hopkins, just kind of the level of consistency. Cardinals kind of underperformed ex- expectations as I predicted they would. Went at eight and eight and missed the playoffs. Uh, went down to week 17. Something, something to build on, but Hopkins uh, just having a great year being consistent. Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, the rookie. Tyreek Hill, maybe a little too low. In hindsight, um, but you know he's definitely a top five, definitely top six receiver. Uh, then we go: Allen Robinson, Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett, tight end Kelsey, um, one of the best receivers, one of the best players, bar none. Um, without without position um, coming into it, one of the best players in the league. 105 catches, 1,416 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Uh, like I said last week, Travis Kelsey gets all the work inside. Um, as he. As you know, those explosive receivers on the outside, Mark, uh, Demarcus Robinson, McCole Hardman, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, as they get their work deep, Travis Kelsey kind of stays inside and, and works. And, you know, he had a phenomenal year, one of the best uh, years by a tight end. It broke the single-season tight end receiving yard record. Um, cannot wait for George Kittle to be back in the league. Darren Waller, kind of playing like a receiver, not really like – you know, he, he averages, I think, eight or nine yards a catch, um, which is interesting for, for a tight end because uh, he just kind of plays like a receiver, um, and even receivers average more. But, you know, he is a converted receiver, kind of like Shannon Sharp. Um, but Darren Waller having a great year for the Raiders, hopefully going to be the big staple of their offense again next year. Let me go TJ Hawkinson and Robert Tanyan. Uh, Robert Tunyon, sorry, Andrews, Jacecki, Gronkowski, Henry, Logan Thomas, and Jimmy Graham to round it out. Then we go to teams, Kansas City and Buffalo out of the AFC, my number one and number two teams in that order. Um, You know, it's going to come down to them, I think, in the playoffs. Green Bay, the number one seed in the NFC, having a great year. Got a couple of flaws. I think the only flawless team out of those top three really is Buffalo. I don't see an area where, like, they desperately need to improve. Uh, New Orleans... Breeze looking good again. Three touchdown passes this weekend. They're playing the Bears, so they should have a nice path to the divisional round. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Tampa Bay, Cleveland, um, Indianapolis rounding it out. Um, Tampa Bay getting hot. I might push them up a little bit more. Seattle going down. Um, after next week, I might I might swap those teams or push them up more. I still had to put Pittsburgh high because the last couple weeks, I mean, their backups looked really good against the playoff team and the Browns. They looked really good against the Colts in the second half, and it kind of seems like they're coming back into Steelers football. Um, 
But we'll have to see them in the playoffs again against the Browns for the second straight week. So that's my top 10, uh, top 5. Kind of went into detail on those top couple guys and then listed off the rest. Um, so if you want to uh, see those names again or whatever, go out, go to at Call the Audible on Instagram. As I said, no games in a phrase this week, so we're going to go right into playoff talk. We'll talk Tua, we'll talk OBJ and Baker, then we'll talk some head coaches and wrap it up. So my playoff picture, here is the official NFL bracket for um, for wildcard weekend. So Kansas City and Green Bay, the number one seed in the AFC and NFC, have bye weeks. So they're taking a week off, uh, recharging, and that's, I mean, for some that can be a blessing and for some that can be a curse. Um, you know, as far as it comes to momentum, I think Kansas City would be happy to stop this momentum. They've just kind of played bad the last couple weeks since really November. Um, and Green Bay maybe don't want to slow down the momentum. So uh, opposite sides um, for, uh, for feelings on the bye week for me for these two teams. But they will play the lowest remaining seeds of the following games. In the AFC, Buffalo, Indianapolis. This one's taking place at Buffalo. A lot of times in the NFL it comes down to quarterback play. And who knows how Josh Allen's going to play in the playoffs. Um, had a good start last year and kind of fell apart against Kansas City. Um, but I'll give them a break. It's Kansas City, and they were fantastic last year, especially in the playoffs. Um, so Buffalo, Indianapolis, but a lot of times, as I said, it comes down to quarterback play, and Josh Allen is is so much better than Phillip Rivers. It's not even close. Indianapolis has a good defense, but they've shown flaws and have shown ability to collapse. So I'm going to take Buffalo in that one. Pittsburgh, Cleveland. I would probably take Cleveland, I'm not going to lie, Um with the linebacker issues in Pittsburgh, one of the best units at the beginning of the year with Devin Bush um, and you know Bud Dupree, but now they're both done for the year, both torn ACLs, which is horrible. Prayers up to them, thoughts and prayers, um, and speedy recoveries to them. But you know, with Kareem Hunt, I think when you go to the playoffs, you f- you find out you know your identity by playoff time. By week seventeen, you've played sixteen regular season games. You know your identity, and you go into the playoffs and you try to execute that. You know, a couple of times you might go away from it. In Cleveland's case, they might have Baker throw 51 times against the Jets like he did. But when it comes down to the playoffs, they're going to they're gonna start giving the ball to uh, Chubb and Hunt again, which is what Cleveland really wants to do, what Kevin Stefanski really wants to do. Um, and I think they have an opportunity to do that against the Steelers' defense. And honestly, I would switch this. But Kevin Stefanski tested positive for COVID-19. It's just the world we live in. It's an unlucky break. Um, with the Steelers' momentum falling, really with the Browns' momentum falling as well, um, I'd say it was a worse fall for the Steelers, especially starting undefeated and losing a couple straight and having to come back against the Colts and their backups looking good against the Browns but not their starters in there making plays and um, preparing for the playoffs. But probably alone the thing that pushed um, the pick for Pittsburgh is Stefanski testing positive because we've seen how much of a difference changing the play color can make um, we saw it in the Giants game when uh, Jason Garrett was out with COVID. Um, so interesting there. But I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. Four-seed Titans versus the five-seed Baltimore Ravens. Rematch of last week, Tennessee's got of last year, Tennessee's got no defense. They've got no pass rush. Jadavion Clowney, waste of money. Luckily, he'll be gone next year. But Baltimore um, is going to be the five-seed. Uh, and they're going to win, which means as the lowest remaining seed, the five-seed, I'm going to have them play. Kansas City, as the rules of the playoffs say. So now Buffalo-Pittsburgh, bad matchup everywhere. Buffalo is so good everywhere. And at the end of the day, they're better at quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger um, is what we thought. Josh Allen 
is basically Ben Roethlisberger, but better, uh, younger, faster, more mobile, uh, and and he's got he's just got a better team around him. Um, two very good defenses showing up, uh, but I'm going to take Buffalo, and then Baltimore, Kansas City. I'm going to take Kansas City. So it comes down to Kansas City, Buffalo. Who's going to represent them in the playoffs? Maybe Kansas City hits their stride. Maybe Josh Allen and the Bills struggle in the playoffs. But I'm going to 100% take Buffalo to go represent um, the, the AFC in the Super Bowl. In the NFC Championship game, the two-seed Bills and the one-seed Chiefs um, in Arrowhead at Arrowhead Stadium. I'm, I'm going to take the Bills. Uh, Josh Allen has had a amazing season, an amazing season, um, as we talked about earlier with my top 10, top 5 quarterbacks. He's my second best quarterback in the league this year. They've got three really good receivers. It's basically Kansas City's offense. Um, you know, I think Bills receivers are a little bit better. I think Chiefs tight end is a little bit better. So I'd say that kind of um, evens it out again. Quarterback, they're playing pretty similar this year. I think Allen's having a better year. Defense, I think I'd take the Bills defense. Um, and, you know, the Buffalo Bills have two amazing coordinators. Uh you know, Brian Dayball and their uh, defensive coordinator. Sorry, I can't remember his name, but two great coordinators, a great head coach. And it just kind of seems like it's all clicking. Um, you know, Mahomes may be happy to end, uh, to have two weeks rest, and maybe he's revitalized and can have a great playoffs, but I'm going to take Buffalo. Now we'll look at the NFC. Green Bay, the one seed, gets the rest, which means the two seed, New Orleans, play the seven seed Chicago Bears quarterback play defensive play um, I'm going to take the Saints pretty simply I think that's the that's I think that's the surefire game if there was one in the playoffs this year Seattle LA Rams you know two teams that have the capability to play really good defense have the capability to play bad defense capability to play really good offense really bad really bad offense and I think Seattle is going to win an ugly and a close one they just played a couple weeks ago and it was an ugly game but Seattle happened to get the victory victory maybe Russell Wilson steps up in the playoffs and goes on a run but I'll have Seattle taking that one over the Rams Um, and then Washington Tampa Bay I have the two favorites the two higher seeds winning um, to this point until the four and five game in both conferences and I'm going to take the five seed again in Tampa Bay Um, Washington you know, seven and nine making the playoffs. Where Tampa Bay, I think, is eleven and five. Uh, you know, this is not a big game, but this can help with the confidence, help with the momentum. Tampa Bay is getting hot, and I said, don't give Tampa Bay false hope. But you know, I also said last week, I believe uh, maybe the mental aspect of momentum will help this team big time. Um, so you know, Tampa Bay. A lot of wins. Brady looking really good at the end of the year. Um, does have to go play in Washington D.C., which isn't which isn't horrible, but it's not. It's no Florida, um, so I don't think that the weather will be too much of a factor until the next game. But I'm gonna have Tampa Bay winning that one. Uh, maybe the momentum is psychological, and maybe a playoff win is exactly what they need um, to have momentum going to the playoffs. And maybe off that game they go on a run. Who knows? Um, well. I, I do. I think I know. Um, but we'll see. This is just predictions at this point. So now the two-seed New Orleans Saints play the three-seed Seattle Seahawks. I think Breeze really, really wants that Super Bowl. I think he's done after this year for sure. I think that's a surefire thing as well. Uh, Russell Wilson really struggling. Had a great start to the year, like I said in my quarterback talk. Has just looked bad ever since. Looks scared to throw the ball, and he 
can't be, especially against that defense. They got too many good pass rushers. Marcus Davenport, Trey Hendrickson, um, and, and Cameron Jordan. You you can't be scared. It's it's kind of like the Washington thing. Uh, Russell Wilson looked scared to throw the ball against Washington, and they ate him alive because he held the ball for too long. He doesn't want to throw picks, so he's holding the ball longer, and these pass rushers are going to get to him. New Orleans over Seattle. Then Tampa Bay, Green Bay, a rematch. Remember, Tampa Bay won this game 38-10, to but I'm going to have – uh, I'm going to flip the result. I'm going to have Green Bay in Lambeau Stadium, Lambeau Field, sorry, beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who they lost to by 28 last week. Aaron Rodgers has one get, has a bad game every once in a while. I'd say he has a bad game every two years. And for this year, for these last two years, really, the bad game, the stinker, was against the Bucks. And so I think he learns from that. It's at Lambeau. Tom hasn't played in really cold weather since he was in Foxborough a year ago. Um, so I think, you know, he's made comments about it. I think at this point, his arm, uh, it's different. Um, and I think Green Bay has the more, more of the capability to run the ball in a cold situation. And Aaron Rodgers is just having too hot of a year, uh, to pick anyone but the Packers. So in the NFC championship game, New Orleans versus Green Bay, it's at Lambeau field, which is the 100% determining factor for me. Drew Brees cannot throw the ball downfield. It comes down to quarterback play a lot in the playoffs. Defenses are great. I feel like I've talked about defenses in this playoff talk. But at this point in, in in the NFL, you can list down your playoff bracket and you could say who has the better quarterback, and usually that's the team that wins the game. Now sometimes there's determining factors like I think Ryan Tannehill has been better than Lamar Jackson this year, but the Titans defense sucks. So I took Baltimore, and the Baltimore defense doesn't suck. But most of the time, quarterback play comes down to it. You know, Breeze is better than Trubisky. Allen is better than Rivers. Um, you know, Brady is better than Alex Smith. Wilson is better than Goff. It comes down to this. Mahomes is better than Lamar. Um, and at this point, Rodgers is better than Brady. In the playoffs, it comes down to quarterback play. And Aaron Rodgers is having a phenomenal year. And really, let's be honest... Breeze has had a couple of good games against some softer defenses, um, but cannot push the ball downfield. And you think he's going to go into that game in the freezing cold, and maybe they run the ball with Ty Montgomery, and maybe they run the ball with Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray, and they ground a pound on the Green Bay defense that can't run the ball. This is a hard game for me to pick um, as far as New Orleans could change the game plan and run the ball if Breeze can't throw it downfield, especially in that cold. But I'm going to take Green Bay. I don't think New Orleans can operate – I don't think the Dome dome New Orleans Saints can operate in the cold like that. So I'm going to say Buffalo versus Green Bay in the Super Bowl for the 2020 season. Um, February in Tampa. So Buffalo gets to play in warm weather. Aaron Rodgers gets to play in warm weather. I mean, it'll be humming. Um, Buffalo can't really run the ball super well. Green Bay can't really run the ball, uh, can't really stop the run super well. So it's it's uh, it's a good matchup really for both teams. They don't have a, a glaring weakness that the other team's really good at. So it's going to be a good game. That would be my pick today. Um, if it comes down to Kansas City, New Orleans, the two runners up in the conferences for me, wouldn't be surprised. But for now, I'm going to say Buffalo, Green Bay. And hey, wildcard weekend, maybe Buffalo wins small, and I change my prediction next week. Nice thing is this is a reoccurring weekly podcast, so I. So I'm, I might change my mind. Who knows? Uh, but as for right now, I'm going to say Buffalo, Green Bay. And if I had to pick, <clears throat> sorry, if I had to pick, I might pick Buffalo. Um, 
it's a lot to put on Josh Allen's shoulders, so I'm not going to make a definitive call. I could see either team winning it. Um, an odd year, but, you know, a lot of the same teams have been very good. So that is my playoff talk. Let's talk a little bit of storylines. Odell Beckham Jr. and Baker Mayfield. And I've heard that this is the best it'll ever get for Baker Mayfield. A great offensive line. Well, number one for the next four or five years. Um, a lot of these guys are on rookie deals. Jedrick Wills is on a rookie deal. I believe Wyatt Teller's on a rookie deal. I don't think Joel Batonio's making so much. J.C. Treader might be out in the next four or five years. You know, retire, who knows. Um, and their right tackle, Jack Conklin, is expensive, but you can afford to have one or two expensive offensive linemen. Um, probably the best offensive line in the league. They've got two good backs. You're going to have to pay Chubb and Hunt. Hopefully Hunt being the second option uh, doesn't ask for as much as Chubb, but I could see both of them asking for a lot of money. So maybe you have to pay him, but you don't have to pay Baker for a while. Baker isn't going to warrant, isn't going to deserve big money because he is a system quarterback, but that's okay. Um, so is it the best he'll ever get? For Baker, no. You got a overpaid tight end who's probably going to be gone here soon, uh, Austin Hooper. You can throw it to David Njoku and Harrison Bryant, both on rookie deals, uh, who can both could probably get extended. Maybe Njoku will get traded, but you can probably extend both of them for cheap. Odell Beckham Jr., probably going to get traded. Jarvis Landry is a wide receiver, too, who's um, having success as a wide receiver one in this offense. So is it the best it'll get? Does he have a Devontae Adams? No, he doesn't. Does he even have a, a DJ Moore or an Amari Cooper? No. Does he have a Calvin Ridley or Justin Jefferson? No. He's got Jarvis Landry, and that's okay. He's got two good tight ends, um, a single good receiver with some good receiving, uh, with some good backup receivers like Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, but no, this is not this amazing, stacked, great pass-catching offense. Austin Hooper is probably going to be gone. They're probably going to try and find a way out of that contract. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be gone. That's like $40 million in cap space already. 30-minute um, mark already passed uh, on the podcast here. Um, but it might run a little bit long today because of the playoff talk. Uh, anyways, back to OBJ and Baker. Uh, so two big cap hits are probably going to be gone. Then it'll be Chubb and Hunt and Njoku and Harrison Bryant and Landry and Peoples-Jones. And that's a... You know, that's probably the 10th best offensive look in the in the game. Maybe the offensive line and run game raises a little bit, but it's not like this big stacked offense. It looks stacked on paper, but is OBJ really a 115-catch guy like DeAndre Hopkins or Stephon Diggs or Devontae Adams? No. Jarvis Landry is definitely not that. Um, so Baker is a distributor. He can do really well when he can. I mean, we saw it at Oklahoma. He's throwing it to everybody, and... That's what Baker can do in this offense. He's had a great year. I think 26 touchdowns to eight interceptions. Um, you know, we love to see the completion percentage come up, the touchdowns come up, the turnovers go down drastically, the wins go up, and uh, it's a big thanks to the running game and to his fancy scheme. But Baker's had a great year, and it's not like he's in this amazing Kansas City offense where every single person is the best in their position, and you have uh, just, I mean, Cleveland is, is going to be a good team. They're going to be a 10, 11, 12 win team for the next couple years. Uh, but is this the best it'll ever get for Baker Mayfield? I don't think so. Because you're going to unload a lot of these big cap hits that have underperformed OBJ and Austin Hooper. Um, so they look good on paper. They've had good careers, but it's, it's not up to the hype that everyone has assigned. Now head coaches in and out. Uh, coaches in, surprisingly, 
Jason Garrett might be in with the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm going to assign, you know, who I think should be in certain positions with the team, with certain teams. Um, uh, Robert Sala might be in as a coach. Urban Meyer might be in as a coach. Brian Dayball might be in as a coach. Eric Bieniemy, And then some outside chances, Marvin Lewis, Matt Eberflus, the Colts defensive coordinator, and Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator for the Titans. Uh, Robert Sala, I think, is a, is a surefire thing. I think Brian Dayball is a surefire thing. And I think Eric Bieniemy is about as sure as you can get without saying 100%. Urban Meyer is asking for a lot of money. Jacksonville might do it. So I'm going to say Urban Meyer to Jacksonville. Doug Marone was fired. And then I'm going to say Robert Sala. Um, you know, he's not going to New York. They're going to look for an offensive guy. Atlanta might go for a defensive guy. But I don't know. I think Robert Sala might be the next, you know, with the, de- with the defensive issues in Detroit. I think Robert Sala might be the next head coach of the Detroit Lions. If he's not, he'll be in Atlanta. But he's definitely getting a job um, replacing Matt Patricia. Bill O'Brien. That's the type of thing where I think Bill O'Brien might go to Houston. I think they're going to look for an offensive guy like they did with Bill O'Brien. Um, and I think Eric Bieniemy is the guy there. Dan Quinn in Atlanta, that might be one where it's, um, you know, they look for an offensive coordinator. Maybe it's Arthur Smith. Uh, Arthur Smith to Atlanta as an outside chance. Maybe it's Lincoln Riley in this big, big hire. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to say Arthur Smith uh, to Atlanta. Then, you know, uh, I don't really know where the Jets are going, to be honest. Uh, maybe a Lincoln Riley um, if they get Justin Fields or maybe a Ryan Day if they get Justin Fields. Um, who knows? Kind of unknown with the number two pick in the draft for the Jets. Uh, so I'm not sure where they're going with their head coaching position, but I'm just glad Adam Gase is out. Anthony Lynn's out. Wouldn't surprise me to see him in another job in the next two to three years. I think Doug Peterson is an outside chance. I think Doug Peterson's kind of the Doc Rivers team. Um, has talent but underperforms. And the coach is um, unlikely to be out and then kind of ends up one day just slipped it under the rug or um, just in the back of the room. They're like, hey, by the way, Doug Peterson got fired. Hey, by the way, Doc Rivers got fired. Um, outside chance, especially with what happened against the Washington game, which I don't even want to get into. Um, so, yeah, Doug Peterson, kind of an outside chance. Um, and you know what I really like? I think my match made in heaven is Brian Dayball to the L.A. Chargers. Uh, I absolutely love that. Brian Dayball is probably going to have an offer on the table from two teams definitively. I think he's going to have an offer on the table from probably any team that's looking for a head coach, but the two teams that I think he'd be most enticed by and that it would come down to for him is the Chargers and the Jets, both looking for offensive coaches, I believe. Both have the potential to have star quarterbacks, but you can look at Justin Fields, who has struggled, and you can look at Justin Herbert, who's probably the best rookie quarterback in NFL history, and you can think, so I want a guy that's a surefire um, player that I can play like I played Josh Allen, that I can develop like I developed Josh Allen. But by the way, Josh Allen threw like 10 touchdowns to 12 picks as a rookie. Justin Herbert threw 31 touchdowns. Uh, I don't have to wait for year three for this guy. He's here. He's on a rookie deal. I've got Keenan Allen. I've got Hunter Henry. Well, if they sign him back, I've got a pretty good offensive line. Um, I've got pieces on defense. I can hire coordinators, and uh, you know, there's a lot of good guys on that Buffalo staff. There's a lot of guys around the league that Brian Dayball probably knows pretty well, and I think he can put together a good, good staff. And what type of offensive coach, or really a defensive coach, 
doesn't want to come play for Brian Dayball, one of the best coordinators in the league, and for Justin Herbert when you know you're going to win games and win really. The rest of the division outside of Kansas City is kind of lousy. You don't want to go coach in Arizona where you're going to have to play Seattle twice. You don't have to play the Rams twice and Sean McVay. You don't have to play the 49ers twice and Nick Bosa and Kyle Shanahan and whoever they have at quarterback in that run game and that offensive line. You get to go play Denver, who had four or five wins this year. You get to go play the Raiders, who kind of underperform and throw games late and haven't been very good in the division. Uh, Brian Dayball looks at it and says, do I want to take a chance on Justin Fields, who kind of had a sophomore slump um, with Ohio State? I'm not sure. I mean, he's not a sophomore, but his second like full year starting. Or do I want to look at the Chargers, who are the best rookie quarterback in the league, have some good offensive weapons, um, who are in a free agent destination. New York's cold. It's a big market, but Los Angeles is warm. You get to drive nice cars. You get to go fast on the 405, and you get to uh, you get to play for Justin Herbert, and you get to be in Hollywood. It's a destination. I think it's a match made in heaven. A great offensive coordinator who has done big things for a oddly, ironically similar quarterback in Josh Allen comes to Los Angeles with Justin Herbert, and I think that's a match made in heaven. Um, so I'm going to say Brian Dayball's at the Chargers. I think it's a no-brainer. If Justin Fields comes out and has a great rookie year, he's still not going to be as good as Herbert was his rookie year. I think it's a no-brainer. Um, you know, Anthony Lynn uh, is out in Los Angeles. Uh, don't love the decision, uh, but I don't hate it either. Uh, but I think it, if it opens a path for Brian Dayball, I think that's a match made in heaven. I'm going to stop obsessing over it. But seriously, uh, I, just, I just love that move. Now I want to talk about Tua Tagovailoa. And if you guys follow, call the Audible and ride the wave on Instagram. Uh, you'll see some posts that I've put out about Tua. So today, just before this podcast, I put that the I, I put out Tua's past, present, and future with the Miami Dolphins. And two years ago, the first report came out, and the headline um, writer Adam Spencer said, "Tank for Tua?" Question mark. Two years ago. Miami Dolphins reportedly already eyeing 2020 quarterback draft class. So two years ago, the tank for Tua rumors begin. Then a couple years later, Tua, uh, you know, fractures his hip, so falls out of that number one discussion. Justin Herbert, I mean, sorry, not Justin Herbert. Joe Burrow has one of the best college seasons of all time. So it kind of becomes Burrow's going to go number one, and who's going to grab Tua, and who's going who's gonna to grab Herbert? Dolphins are sitting there at number five, and they take Tua. September 7th, 2020, Brian Flores names Ryan Fitzpatrick the week one starter for the 2020 season. And on October 20th, 2020, um, <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick leads the Dolphins to 3-3 three and three and is benched for Tagovailoa during the bye week before the game versus the Rams. Tua um, starts starts well, wins games, beats the Rams, um, but on November 22nd, he was benched for the two-minute drill against the Broncos and Fitzpatrick throws a game-losing pick um, into the end zone. Post-game Flora says Tua will start again the following week, and I get that move. Um, it's, uh, you know, in, in a game, a lot of times these games uh, for a team like the Dolphins where they don't really know how they're going to finish the year, maybe have a tough schedule to finish the year, they don't really know which which games are going to super matter for the playoffs, and so they think, you know, it's the Broncos, we don't need to be super special, and then all of a sudden they're in the two-minute drive, they have a rookie quarterback who's only been starting for a couple of weeks, they're like, Fitzpatrick, just go, we believe in you, Fitzmagic, you have a history of pulling out games like this, just go. So I get that. 
But then Tua is again benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick, who then leads the fourth quarter comeback against the Las Vegas Raiders in a game that we all thought this has big playoff implications. Postgame Flora says Tua again will start versus the Bills in Week 17, but he says this. He adds a little... Um, uh, he drops a sentence that he can go back to. He says that they will not hesitate to go back to the relief pitcher in the ninth inning. But they couldn't. On December 31st of this last year, Ryan Fitzpatrick tested positive for COVID-19 and was ruled out for Week 17 against the Buffalo Bills. So on January 3rd, Tua attempted 58 throws, I believe. Tua threw three interceptions against the Buffalo Bills, and they lost by 30 points with playoff elimination probable, and eventually um, they were eliminated. And so now, past, past, we talked about Tank for Tua, the draft, present, throws three interceptions, uh, bends for Fitzpatrick a couple times. Now what's the future? The Dolphins hold a top-five pick in the 2020 NFL draft acquired from the Houston Texans in a trade involving Pro Bowl offensive tackle Laramie Tunzel. And I asked you guys on Instagram, could or should the Miami Dolphins consider using their top-five pick on a quarterback? And I kid you not, 10 minutes after I posted that, I see from um, from Bleacher Report, try to find the notification. Here it is. Chris Greer, Tua is the 21 quarterback, as in 2021. Dolphins general manager ends any speculation about Miami's quarterback plans for next year. And I see that, and I the first thing is, is, oh, crap, I just made this post. And I also have another post coming about Tua. I think, oh, crap, I just made this post. What am I going to do now? And I think back to a statement after the end of the year um, that Cliff Kingsbury said about Josh Rosen before trading him a couple weeks later. He said, Josh Rosen is our guy. This has happened a lot, Doug Peterson. I think we can restore things with Carson Wentz. No, you don't. Carson Wentz is going to get traded. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been a healthy scratch, and you might have gone back to him um, against uh, the Washington football team. If you really thought Justin Herbert, if you really thought Jalen Hurts should be benched, so I, I don't buy that statement from Chris Greer. Maybe he is. Maybe the statement's true, but there's just been too many times where the statement hasn't been true. And so now I also have a post coming up this week. Uh, options for the Dolphins with their number five pick. Uh, and I'm going to go over those really quick, and then that should that should be about time. Um, so I don't buy the statement from Chris Greer, and I think there's been there's too much gone wrong, and there's been too many rumors about Tua that there's there's definitely some uh, there's definitely some you know background something they're not saying. Uh, there's definitely something going on behind the scenes, regardless of if they try to cover it up or not. So options for the Dolphins: number one, they trade the pick. There's a couple of options Miami could go with the trade. They could trade the pick for a great player. They could trade it for a package of picks. You know a Two twos, two threes, a four, a five, a future three, whatever. They could trade it for a package of picks. They could trade it to a bad team. You know, you trade the pick to the Lions, who are probably going to be bad next year, and maybe you get that top five pick right back. So you essentially trade a 2021 first for a 2022 first, and you give Tua another year. So potential trade candidates there would be like the Lions, the Bengals, the Panthers, the Giants, teams that might be bad next year. Um, and you risk, you know, I have the three pick. It could turn into the nine pick. Um, but, you know, at least we give two another year and don't waste the five pick from last year, if that all makes sense. Number two, they just select the best player available. Miami doesn't have any big holes on their team. They've done a great job in the draft and free agency over the past few years, and Brian Flores and Chris Greer could just sit with the pick and take the best player available. And potential best player available is at that time 
maybe Penny Sewell, the tackle from Oregon, sitting there. Maybe Quiddy Pie, the da- defensive lineman, his draft stock jumps. Maybe Devonta Smith reunite Tua and them. Micah Parsons, the linebacker out of Penn State. Number three, they select a quarterback at that pick. Uh, this move would come with lots of questions, but it's nowhere near out of the realm of possibility. Uh, like I said, Brian Flores has pulled Tua twice now in key moments, and those decisions aren't just made in the spur of the moment. There's a lack of confidence in Tua in the building, and I think that's pretty clear. They could opt to trade Tua for some solid draft capital. I think he could get a one back and maybe even get and, and you know just restart with another guy in 2021. So possible Tua trade partners. I think the Colts would I think the Colts would send a one. Uh, you know, they're gonna have a, a the twenty fourth to twenty sixth pick or so in the draft. And I think they'd say, you know what, Phillip Rivers gonna retire, Jacoby Brissett's not the future, sure, we'll send it. Maybe the Steelers um, you know, lose in the playoffs and they have the twenty ninth pick and they say, Here you go. You got a year, you figured it out. We think we can take Tua behind this good offensive line with these good rec- with these good young receivers and backs and we'll make him into a franchise quarterback. Maybe Kyle Shanahan wants Tua, maybe the Washington football team or the Rams want Tua or the Broncos want Tua. Those are potential trade partners for Tagovailoa. Now potential quarterbacks available at three would be Zach Wilson out of BYU, maybe Justin Fields, maybe the Jets decide to stick with Sam Darnold and Justin Fields is available. They could decide to take a shot, you know, even trade back take Mac Jones or Trey Lance. And the fourth option is kind of outlandish, but maybe it's worth a shot. Trade for number one. For a once-in-a-generation prospect, the Dolphins could just throw their hands up and say, why not, and offer the Jacksonville Jaguars a large, lucrative package for the first pick in the NFL draft if they do indeed want a quarterback. So as we know, the Dolphins have two first-round picks. They have theirs, which is, I think, the 18th pick in the draft, and they have Houston's, which is the third. They could offer them the third pick in the draft, a first-round pick, two Otega by low, and like a third or a fourth-round pick. I put a fourth on this post. So, you know, now what do the Jags do? So, actually, what do the Dolphins do? They select Trevor Lawrence, and they have a franchise quarterback, and all the holes or all the potential holes in their team are filled. And what do the um, what do the Jacksonville Jaguars do? Well, they take Tua, and they start him for a year. Um or maybe they trade Tua again, or maybe they take just and they take Justin Fields third. Whatever they do, 2021 their first round pick through Houston. Maybe they take Penny Sewell, 2021 first round pick. The Jags take a receiver or or an offense, another offensive lineman or a really good defensive player. Then they start Tua and they use that fourth round pick on whatever. But then you have Tua, a good tackle, a once in a decade tackle in Sewell. And you have a good receiver, a good defensive lineman, a good linebacker, corner, safety. And you have two top 20 picks, and one is the third pick in the draft. So I could, I, it would be hard for me to see the Jags doing that way because of, of how apparently good Trevor Lawrence is. Um, but, you know, I think it's definitely an option. Um, <laughs> outlandish, yes, but um, it's in the realm of possibility, I'd say. Outside chance of happening. So that's my options for the Dolphins with their top five pick. You'll see that on Call the Audible and Ride the Wave later in the week. Um, and, you know, we ran we ran long this week because the playoffs are starting, and it's a great time uh, to be an NFL fan. If your team is in the playoffs, wish them luck. Um, I shared with you my Super Bowl matchup, Buffalo-Green Bay. Let me know what you think. Maybe it's Kansas City-New Orleans. Maybe a, a sleeper team like Indianapolis goes on a run. But as I see it today, you know, the one and the two seed from each conference are making it to those championship games. And they were the one and two seed for a reason in my mind. So yeah, this has been the call the audible podcast.
brought to you by Call the Audible and Ride the Wave Media. Follow at those handles on Instagram. We'll see you next week for some playoff football talk. See you then.